This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Day 2 Reaction Pod for the Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week, Day 2 of the NFL Draft is officially in the books. The 49ers made two trades and three picks on a night that left me with some mixed feelings that we'll get into with our very special guest that we have with us this week. It is Brian Peacock from Locked On 49ers. He joins for a special crossover episode. We do this every now and again and thought, you know what? Day two of the draft would be a great time to do it, especially because David is off doing anniversary things with his wife. That's all I will say. Uh, We had a very, very fun, sprawling conversation with Brian. We talked about the reaction to the trades, the picks, talked about running backs, running back value. We even started talking about rye whiskey. Uh, it, It was a really, really fun, sprawling conversation. Definitely get all the way to the end. Always a fun time when Brian Peacock joins. So let's jump right into it. Here's Brian Peacock from Lockdown 49ers with our day two reactions. Brian Peacock. We do this every now and again. It's always great to have you on the crossover pod between Lockdown and Better Rivals after day two of the draft, a day that was um, kind of fits and startsy. Not sure how I feel about it. You know, I'm confused on the insides. Uh, and I'm a little angry, but also still happy because yesterday happened. So, you know, it's a lot of feelings. Are you angry at the same thing I'm angry about? Of course I, I am. Guess I'm not really angry about it. I'm just disappointed. You know, I'm a disappointed parent. I'm like, it's like when my son like messes with the, uh, the the ice machine in the refrigerator and gets ice all over the floor. That's how I feel about a team drafting a running back on day one or day two. Yeah, I, I'm not even wholly against drafting a running back on day two, especially if it would have been at like pick 102. But to trade up for a running back at this point in 2021, knowing everything that we know, I mean, you've got you've got a, a fairly good, I think, backfield at this point. You've got Wilson, you've got Mostert, you just signed Wayne Gallman, who I think is a great value pickup. You've got uh, Jamichael Hasty. You know, he's he's the new Matt Breida, all about that life. And then you're like third round pick. I, I just saw the Cardinals and the Rams uh, and the Seahawks all pick wide receivers that can run a, you know, sub four. Like they're all like in the four, the four, three, nine, four, four, one, 40 range. Uh, but you know what? I'm going to go ahead and get a running back with some wiggle. Hey, he's got, he's got good feet for a big man. He does. That, that's the one thing I will say is like as, as a running back, Ohio State has a heavy zone run scheme. He is an elusive, elusive guy. He has that that short area in the phone booth kind of move that that you want from someone who's going to be effectively your power back. I mean that that's that's what I'm imagining they're getting him for. Not power run scheme, but more big power back on the inside. And then you've got Wilson and, and Mostert as your as your home run guys. You know, I was thinking just as you were talking there, 
and then I, I was reminded that he did get hurt in was it the Clemson game? Which yeah. game did he get hurt in? Because I was thinking, oh, you know what? I bet he's quote unquote bell cow. I bet he doesn't get injured. And the the Aaron Banks never missed a a snap right in his college career or, or never missed a game in his college career or something like that and so i was thinking oh you know what this is this is Mostert's always hurt everybody on our team is always hurt we're only going to draft guys who never got hurt in college but sermon doesn't count for that so never mind yeah i mean i, I think with him i i tr- you got to trust bobby turner to a certain degree because Bobby Turner's got to be the guy who who blesses each one of these running back picks. Yes, you absolutely. just you just wish they didn't spend this degree of capital on, uh, on on a running back in the third round. I mean, they gave up more bites at the apple. They gave up two fourth round picks in order to make this pick, um, and so they gave up effectively two players that that they could have gotten in the fourth round for this third round pick. And I think if if you're going to make this pick for a DB for a DB, it makes sense. It, it, but otherwise, you know, I don't know. I mean, they, they did end up making. A pick just before we started recording. Uh, for those of you that are keen on the behind the scenes, it is 10:54 p.m. Central at this point. Uh, in in the famous sphere where Brian Peacock lives, there is no time. He has time for everything. <laughs> There's no time here. It is November 13th, and it is 17 o'clock. And so you've got you've got now Ambry Thomas, who is officially a Niner, defensive back, Michigan. Uh, he's, I mean, he's the guy that the Niners really, this is their typical height, weight, speed swing that they take for a defensive back in the third round or later. Um, you've got, I mean, going back to Adrian Colbert, Marcel Harris, Tim Harris, Akella Witherspoon. It's all like third round plus height, weight, speed. Let's, let's see if we can hit, uh, and who knows, maybe he will, maybe he won't. I don't know. So my theory is that the 49ers kind of got screwed a couple times on day two. I think they, uh, the teams drafted corners right in front of them, or is it that they don't care about corners because they haven't really cared about corners in the past? So I don't know if you know about the shadow 49ers drafts that I do. And I do them every year when the 49ers are on the clock, I pick who I think the 49ers should have taken and that, and I've sort of kept track of all the picks for all the years. And I have a little depth chart filled out now. And that roster is so stacked with wide receivers and corners and edge rushers because I've been drafting for the 49ers every single year and they ignore those positions so much. I mean, they've drafted a lot of defensive linemen recently, but the the corners and the wide receivers especially, and it's just like, it's absurd at, at a certain point. And of course, did it again this year. But I really think, talking about athletic, long corners, I think Afetu uh, Melifonwu might have been someone they were looking at and then right in front of him was Elijah Molden. And I think either one of those guys would have been a fit for the 49ers. And I, and I wonder if they were higher than Ambry Thomas for them on their board. Yeah, it's a possibility. I mean, I, I think that they they were certainly not keen on reuniting the Melifon Woos because they released his brother a couple days ago. So they could they could have just had an yeah. all Melifon Woo backfield. And, you know, they, they could like, have gone you know down that right. You don't like the Melifon Woos. Honestly, all, so. I've been practicing that last name for the better part of three weeks, just in case. And <laughs> And you know what? Maybe they just didn't want the trouble. But the I do think that the they probably had someone like Asante Samuel or someone like Elijah Molden a little bit higher. I, I'm not too I'm not too mad that they missed out on Molden. I think Molden is a, a good player for lots of reasons, but I do think his height and his lack of really his just lack of ability to match up with big slot receivers would have been a problem. Uh, and his and speed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, you, you think but of I the think... slot guys that Arizona is putting out. You think of the slot guys that, you know, that, that the Seahawks are putting out. They're, they're going to roast him just based on foot speed alone if he can't get his hands on him. 
Yeah, so the Cardinals draft Rondale Moore, and he runs four twos or four threes, right? Four three flat or something. I can't remember what his 40 time was, but it was blazing. And he's, he's a freak of nature when you watch him. Uh, I, I don't know what kind of player he's going to be in the NFL because I'm not sure how much that translates in Tutu Atwell, who was 149 pounds that went on day two. I wasn't sure. I, I thought he was going to be a day three guy, dude, just because he's like, it's a flag football player. It's not a, an NFL player. And we've seen so many of those really small guys that are so light. You're, you're at most a gadget and they end up just washing out of the league. But when the team you play twice a year drafts Rondale Moore and you're like, oh, I was, we were going to draft Elijah Molden, but I don't know if that four six will match up with him in the slot that well after all. But I think Molden actually kind of went in a good spot because people were talking about him early second round, late third, you know, around pick 100. Now you're talking, I would have been into that at that yeah. point. No, I, I absolutely think it was more like a, you know, third, fourth round pick. That would have been good. Ambry Thomas is, he's, he's a fast guy. He clocks fast. You know, he ran a four, uh, three, seven, 40 in the 91st percentile. So he does click that speed or he does tick that speed box. And so in that regard, you know, they did get their, their high weight speed guy and Michigan does play a lot of press man. I don't know if they're going to play him in the slot or if they're going to play him outside, um, kind of have to dig into his tape a little bit more to see what he's like, but haven't seen a whole hell of a lot of them. So still got more to come on, on Amber yeah, Thomas. The, 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 I love when the Niners do that to me. Like they, they draft the player that, that I didn't, I, I watched every single corner that was drafted <laughs> except for Ambry Thomas. I, I saw a little bit of him in passing and actually, he, you know, what he reminds me of is um, Emmanuel Mosley. And height, weight, speed is almost identical right around 5'10, 5'11, uh, you know, slim, 190, I think, is, is what he weighs, something like that, uh, around a 4-4 four, four flat. That's what that's what um, Emmanuel Mosley was coming out of Tennessee, and he kind of has that, you know, are you, is he outside or is he inside? Not sure. Maybe he could do both. But uh, there's some scrappiness to, to Ambry Thomas, and I think they drafted him with the thought that he could play outside, but I think they have a plan for him inside. That's the feeling I get right now, knowing nothing else except for the little I've watched of him, and, and we're, we're going live right after that pick happened. Well, that, that, and that makes sense because you've got K1 Williams on a one-year deal. And having him back for another year is great, but he's also on the, the wrong side of 33 at this point. Uh, or I don't think he's quite 33. I think it might be like, you know, 30, 31 in that area. But the, the one-year deal may be his last deal here with the Niners. And so you do need a replacement there in the slot. And while Mosley can kick into the slot, I don't know that that's necessarily his, his best fit or his permanent position. Um, but we haven't even talked about the, the big, the literal elephant in the room, Aaron Banks. Uh, what did you think hard went? Yeah, hard hard to do. My dude is big, very <laughs> very large, broad shouldered is what I'm saying. Uh, what did this you... another 69 as well? Wore wore the 69 on his chest with pride, just like his buddy Mike McGlinchey uh, at Notre Dame. So um, he's gonna get to play next to him. I don't know if they really played next to him. They were in college at the same time, but I think Banks might have been like a redshirt freshman at the time, maybe uh, maybe a sophomore because he was a fifth year senior, right? So they they were. At, in college together, but I don't know if they really lined up next to each other much. What'd you think of the pick when you, when you heard it come through? I mean, you, a lot of people wanted to greet Humphrey. You got some other people, you got, you know, Quinn that, that people were thinking would be a good fit. You've got, you, people thought maybe that interior offensive line would be the way to go. Um, but I don't know that Aaron Banks necessarily was where people thought the team would go. What were your thoughts when, when the Niners drafted him uh, initial reaction? Yeah, Aaron Banks wasn't really on my radar at all. When I do my draft stuff, look, scouting department of one over here, so uh, it's got to go quick. And and time is 
I feel like I have less and less time, you know, back in my younger days, I had all the time in the world and I could just sit up all night long, no kids and, you know, just watch, watch everybody and watch as much as I wanted to have less time now. So now it's more like speed dating, you know, so I'm, I'm like swiping left or swiping right on prospects. And when I just see the body type of Aaron Banks, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to watch this guy for like an hour because I don't think he's going to be a 49er. You know, it's like he didn't fit that outside zone to me when I first saw him. It was like big, powerful guy, um, a lot of weight in the midsection. It's like, I don't think that's the type. And and I really sort of and, the, you know, this is this is on me, but I, I was just looking at the 49ers, what they would do. And I thought, you know, what, third round is where they're going to go with the offensive line they, because I think they're OK. They know they can start some people, uh, I, you know, um, Daniel Kilgore is fine at right guard. And I thought they would get more of a center guard combo player on, you know, maybe the third round area. I didn't think they would go as high as early second round with a pure guard too, because pure guard is the one position the 49ers really haven't spent on. They spend resources and money on tackles and centers. And when you spend that much of your limited resources on those three positions on your offensive line, it's hard to also spend a ton of resources on guard. So that one kind of shocked me too, because Banks is just a straight up guard and that's it. No, absolutely. I, I think two things really lean them in this direction. One, I'm the same as you. I don't have an infinite amount of time. I have a child who now is mobile. Uh, oh, she, no. uh, she stands. She, we got her a, a pickler triangle. I don't know if you've seen these. Oh, but mobile. Are we talking like wide zone mobility? Uh, second level. Look, all I'm saying is that she can come off of a deuce block and get to that second level pretty quick at this point. Like the dogs are running, you know, they do not want to get caught in the alley with my daughter because it is not going to end well for them. Um, but we, we got a pickler triangle and she's managed to climb this thing. And, and like her at this point, her way of getting off of the top when she's at the apex, cause she, she can't go down. She can only go up uh, is to basically throw herself over the edge and just like give herself up to the gravity gods. Uh, and it's, it's, it's pretty wild. So I, I, I don't have as much time as I used to, to do this stuff either. So what, what we do part of our process, me and David, is we basically look at zone grades We're like, all right, which one of these guys are good as zone run blockers? Because that's generally what Shanahan loves. And that's the one thing that Aaron Banks does do really well. He has a zone block grade, uh, a PFF zone block grade of 87.2. Uh, and the other thing that he does really well is he, he actually has really, really good true pass set numbers. Uh, and so true pass sets are, are kind of the, the predictive measure of what they're going to do when you remove play action, you remove bootlegs, you remove all that other crap, the things that really don't matter. Now you're like, you're isolating that player one-on-one. Um, he's got a really, really good true pass set grade. So overall, I think that he doesn't look the part, but I think he could he could be a really, really good scheme fit uh, for the 49ers. And, and I think that with Lakin Tomlinson being on the last year of his deal, Maybe that's where eventually he's going to be the the replacement for you. Let Lakin go; he's kind of on the tail end of, of literally his age, and then you you know you, you've got a replacement there, and you've got someone else on right guard. I like that, and you could you could bounce Aaron Aaron Banks back to left guard if you want after he plays right guard as a rookie, or you know just keep him at right guard and, and figure something else out at at left guard later. But that makes a lot of sense, and it's a way to save money too, and, and keep rotating those um, those rookie contracts through there because they're going to have to utilize a lot of those, and now they're going to have a, a rookie contract at quarterback too, right? The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. 
Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. I, I do want to talk about the the quarterback, and I want to get your thoughts on, on the pick. But before we do that, just like, first of all, overall feelings on the night. Because I, I went on a roller coaster of emotions. I really was. I was like, okay, the trade happens. It's great. I'm like, you get value. Any way you slice it, you get value for this trade. And then you pick Aaron Banks. I'm like, huh, didn't, didn't, didn't know too much about him. Watched it a little bit, but seems like a scheme fit. Okay, some people I respect really like the guy. I'm in. And then you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. And you're like, oh my God, you're going to trade up. All right, you're trading up. Got to be for a DB. Hit you with the running back. I'm a little, you know, my, my enthusiasm is dulled. It is muted a bit. And then you, you, you kind of round it out with Ambry Thomas. And you're like, okay, I got to watch some more tape on this guy. So overall, I left day two and I'm like, okay, TBD. Let's see what happens. What are your, what yeah, are your thoughts? Big time TBD on, on day two. The, the more I think about the Aaron Banks pick, the more I like it. And, you know, the the two sacks, I think it was in two full seasons or something, played every game. Like it's, it seems like some stability there with Aaron Banks. Seems like just a rock solid player that you can plug in, can play early in his career and they can forget about right guard potentially, you know, that that's the idea behind it. And, and so I like that idea. Um, and he's going to be a really good run blocker. The running back pick absolutely threw me for a loop. I thought Sermon was going to be a day three guy anyway. Uh, and I didn't see them going running back early. I, I didn't value a running back for the 49ers with the needs. And and the big takeaway for me is Ambry Thomas. I, I don't know. No, nobody I trust was really big on Ambry Thomas. So I'm going to have to go back and watch him and, and see what he looks like to me. But I just thought corner was too important to the 49ers coming into this thing to come out of day two with – a, a maybe of a guy and who knows, maybe he's, he's a superstar player. And so that's definitely TBD. So I think that's a good way to put this because I don't know what to think about him, but um, I thought maybe even the Niners are going to be trading up to start the day today and go up and get, you know, and we saw Tyson cam would go with the first pick. And that was the guy I was hoping for, for the 49ers there uh, at 43, originally Asante Samuel, of course. And, and so teams were trading up corners and then they got sniped again uh, at 102 with corners i don't know if they like those guys more or not i don't know if they were targeting corners earlier but just a really interesting day and i, and I think i need to process these players and go through and watch them and uh, i think it was a case of and probably like this for a lot of teams after the the top players that everybody was pretty consensus on because i was surprised there wasn't a ton of shocks in round one yesterday i think day two was a lot more where we saw teams boards just all over the place. And I think that's what it was for the 49ers because you let a team marinate in this class with COVID and everything we saw. And uh, it's just going to, you're just going to come up with so, such varied evaluations on so many guys. Yeah. That's, that's the thing about Ambry Thomas is that he opted out in 2020. So he played in, in 2019 and, and maybe guys snuck under the radar. Maybe that was part of it that, that had to do a little bit with it too. And, and hopefully, you know, that, that ends up being a diamond in the rough, but yeah, I think that when it comes to corners, we are, we've seen Shanahan's thinking evolve when it, when it comes to quarterbacks, obviously we'll get the trail lines here in just a sec, but with, with, uh, with corners, I don't think the thinking has evolved at all. I think their priority is defensive line. That's how they're going to build. That's where they're going to spend resources. And they think the defensive line is going to paper over anything they might do in the secondary so they can get by with athletes in the secondary, maybe have, you know, a Jimmy Ward in there. Who's really smart. Maybe have a Jason Verrett. Who's going to be your number one corner. And then you get by on everything else, but you got to have your pass rushers to help bail those, those defensive backs out. That's just the way yeah. they approach the game and, and this pick and where they're putting their resources speaks towards it. 
I thought the Banks pick might have been Aziz Ojalari too, just to continue to to build that pass rush out. And uh, but you know, the injury red flag probably saved them from that. Um, even though I would have loved Ojalari there, he actually went the very next pick, I think, to the to the New York Giants maybe. But um, <clears throat> yeah, it's it's an interesting haul so far. And day day two, even though I didn't see it coming, I, I'm I'm wondering if the reason we didn't see it coming is because maybe they're shifting a little bit, but hearing you talk about the, the zone numbers, which I did not know about Aaron banks, because just the eyeball test of the little, I watched him. I thought, Oh, this guy's a little bit more of a power player. I was thinking, okay, Trey sermon, are they changing some philosophy a little bit so here? I, they just got a new quarterback. This, what's this funny, could so look a lot different. I thought offense. the exact same thing. I thought the exact same thing. I see, I literally see Aaron Banks's frame and I see his body and I'm like, okay, I know that Shanahan has increased his gap scheme runs over the last couple of years. I know that he loves the counters as a play off of the outside zone. I know, and, and then you you look at, at at Trey Sermon, and you're like, okay, this guy's also a bigger, you know, kind of. He's not the the hit the home run kind of outside zone type of guy. And and then you look at what their actual production has been in those schemes. You look at Aaron Banks. He's a much better zone blocker than he is a run blocker. His zone block grade is eighty seven point two. His his gap scheme number is not very good at all. It's like, it's it's quite a bit worse. Still fine, but it's just quite a bit worse. You look at Trey Sermon, only 22 gap runs. Only 22 gap runs, and on those gap runs, not very good. It's just not something Ohio State does a whole hell of a lot. And so both of those players, despite their athleticism, despite their frames, are still both very good zone run performers. And so on the eyeball test, I was like, yeah, maybe it's more gap stuff. And then you look at the underlying numbers and you're like, no, okay, it's still zone. That's so interesting because, yeah, he doesn't fit the, the profile. Like 6'5", 325 pounds. He ran four threes in the 40, but yet he kind of gets out there. And it's not like a, you know getting out on the second level and running with linebackers. It's more of a he can get there and he can wall you off. That's what I saw with Aaron Banks in, in the – in the little I watched of him. So it's weird because he's built like a power guy. I think he probably could do that, but it sounds like he plays better in, in his own scheme. And Trey Sermon was awesome in his own scheme. And uh, Trey Sermon's a, a weird player because his movement is, it's, I mean, I, I can see why they would like him. His, his body movement, the way he's flex, the flexible ankles. You got to love the flexible ankles and the flexible hips, but he has that for a big man. So he moves like a smaller guy, even though he's not a home run hitter either because he doesn't have crazy top end speed and he's big, but that's, you know, a really good recipe for a really good running back in most cases. And it, and it has been for a long time in the NFL. I just didn't think it was a Shanahan type. Yeah. I mean, you, you've got to look at the explosion metrics, right? You look at his broad jump, his vertical, his three cone, all those were super plus metrics. His just his 40, his straight line speed is not great. What does that tell you? I think it tells you that he's not going to break away a big run like Raheem Mostert. Raheem Mostert's going to be your big guy. But if you're looking for a couple yards on the inside, or you're looking for that short yardage gain, it's going to be basically, do you want to get hit with Trey Sermon or do you want to get hit with Trey Lance? Really, I, I just need someone on that team to change their name to Trey so I can have three trays because having you know two trays the, is not okay. It's kind of like a, the new Splash Brothers. It's like the new Steph and Clay, right? Steph and Clay is just Trey and Trey. Yeah, I mean, hitting trays, right? The three. But I need a third tray because then I can make like Trey Sledges, all all yeah, of the Trey okay. Sledges jokes. 
And then, uh, I mean, so one of the things that I discovered about um, about North Dakota State is that uh, they have an agricultural program, and that agricultural program promotes the utilization of rye as a cover crop, and that means that well, rye, rye whiskey. So I feel like rye whiskey should be the 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 celebratory drink of Trey Lance, and if we could have rye whiskey and tres leches cake. I feel like we're starting to build a program of foodstuffs here that's really going to take us to the top. Have a really awesome dinner party for sure. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And then I like, I don't know if like bison is something that you can like, I know you can make a great burger out of it, but I don't know if that's like, oh, wait, you know. Excuse me? Uh, it's bison. Yes. it's. I know it's bison. We're going to, we're going okay. mi- to oh, mispronounce it on purpose. Okay. This is what we oh, okay. do on the Better Rivals podcast. You have to mispronounce things. It's the price of entry. It's the price of entry. You have to do it. The bison. Yeah, Boise and Bison. What, what, what city is North Dakota Stadium? I have no idea, dude. Like, I the, honestly, the it's Fargo, the, it's Fargo right? That, honestly, I could not tell you Fargo. more than that city. I couldn't tell you yeah. that, that more than that city exists. I have, you know what cover crop they grow, but you don't know what what town it's in. Look, I have got some googling skills, and I care about whiskey. <laughs> and when those two things collide, <laughs> I remember. Screw Trey Lance. What's this about the rye again, <laughs> dude? Okay. Mid, uh, you've got rye whiskey. Okay. Willet family rye is a fantastic rye. This is one of my favorites. Barrel strength, especially. Uh, do you say bullet or will it? Will it. Will it. Yeah. Rye, oh, r- yeah. Not will it. Okay. Yes. Bullet makes a, a decent enough rye, um, but. It's a nice cheap one. It's a go-to. I've, I've actually got a bottle of the bullet rye in my, my cabinet right now. because It's I'm good. I'm a much bigger rye guy than a bourbon guy. It Not is a. Rye is a good old-fashioned uh, uh, drink, and Bullet, I think, is a good go-to everyday old-fashioned one. I've got uh, I Willet Rye is a sipping rye. I think that's great. Um, you know, they're they're just lots of. I'm actually not a super rye fan. I'm more into the weeded bourbons, which is you know they call me a basic bourbon guy, right? But I love you know the the weeded, so I love the Weller. Anything Weller is going to be amazing, if not hard to get. Um, Wilderness Trail is a, a good one. I just stumbled upon. They have a weeded bourbon, which is delicious. Um, but all that stuff, man, I absolutely love it. Okay. Weeding up that bourbon. I, I like where they're going with that because the straight bourbon doesn't do it for me. Uh, four barrel double rye is a good one I've had recently. If you, if you like rye on top of rye. Okay. I don't know how they get double the amount of rye in it, it's, but they do. And leave it to people who make alcohol. If look, interesting ways to get drunk. Trust me. I've built a podcast on it. So, you it's know, an, it's invented. How much, how much science knowledge is wasted on alcohol for us <laughs> it could be saving lives somewhere That's, i don't think it's wasted at all i think it's exactly where it needs to be that's where our focus needs to be um do but, you think Oscar, that kyle shanahan should not have been allowed to trade up for a running back after he was allowed to use three first round picks on his quarterback i don't think that shanahan should have been allowed to trade up for a running back after joe williams like that's that that should trade up again or pick any players again ever after 2017 that should have been his cutoff right there like that's the one where you're like okay this guy's been overserved. this guy like let take him home he's had he's had all of the double barrels and then more double barrels get get it get him out of here um oh here we go triple barrel tray tie-in with the rye oh okay now we're talking tray barrel rye whiskey uh Dude, I'm my my wheels are already spinning about like where you're gonna f- like cask finishing the rye, not like like you can do that rye cask finished in like maybe I don't know port wine barrels. Angel's Envy doesn't port wine. It, you know they borrow that from Scotch. Uh, Balvini does double barrels. I mean, like look, the, the the opportunities are endless. I feel like we could pitch some marketing here to the 49ers. Um, I think good. I bet Trey Lance doesn't drink though. I, that, first of all, he's not old enough to buy a drink in a bar. 
because he was born in the year 2000. He was born the year which Trey, super- that Tom Brady was drafted. Yes. So, yeah. So, he's the first player ever born in the year 2000. And how about this one? Amari Rogers is the son of T. Martin, who was one of the six quarterbacks drafted ahead of Tom Brady in 2000. I don't. I don't Samuel Jr., Patrick Sertan, Joe Horn's kid. This is getting silly. I don't like this. I don't like this at all, Brian. I, I don't like being faced with my own age. Uh, it, it is. It, I, I took my driver's license picture recently. So I've had my Texas driver's license now for 15 years. And they, they, may, they make you take a new picture at this point because they're like, bro, this is not you anymore. And I'm like, you know what? I agree. And, and I took the picture and, I'm, and the guy goes, there's a lot more gray in your beard. I was like, thanks, dick. What a dick, y'all. That's me. <laughs> you got dad face, man. Like, you can't fight that off either. No, no, I'm embracing it. It's great. Um, all right, let's let's hear your thoughts about Trey Lance really quickly before you got to go, um, because I want to hear. I want to. I want you to walk me through your emotions last night. Um, what What did you feel? What did you think? Who did you think the pick was going to be? And then what did you feel when the Niners picked who they picked? So, one hundred percent of the time between the moment they made the pick in March until the Monday before the draft press conference, 100% of that time, I was completely convinced it was Justin Fields the whole time. Everything told me Justin Fields. Then the press conference had me wavering. It was like, is it really Mac Jones? It no fucked way. Me up, man. It fucked and that me was up. method acting. That was like some Daniel <laughs> Lewis stuff from, from Kyle Shanahan. Like he stays up four days in a row on purpose. What was that? Because I, I, Got me, man. And then uh, for a couple of days, I was like, dang, it's really going to be Mac Jones. And then I kind of sat back and thought about it. I was like, you know what? I, I just can't believe it. I can't believe that it will be Mac Jones. But there was just nothing about Justin Fields. And there was the epilepsy thing that I might, I think might have had something to do with it because everyone was very vague about, oh, there's something with Justin Fields. Why isn't everybody just all over the seat? Why isn't he, why isn't he the second quarterback instead of the, the fourth? You know? And, and so that was, weird that nobody was all over and I thought maybe just everybody smoke screening on Justin Fields and so that's going to be the pick and then day of yesterday kind of in the morning I'm like all right I'm going to put I'm going to put this to a tweet my official my official prediction of what it's going to be it's the final final I'm putting it down on Twitter for everybody to see for eternity and I said look can't be can't be Mac Jones. That that the process cannot lead you to trading three first round picks for Mac Jones. Cannot happen. And if it's not Justin Fields, it has to be Trey Lance. Boom. Trey Lance was my final prediction. And it took me all the way until draft morning to kind of get there. Yeah, and so, when the pick happened, I thought, okay, good. Swing for the fences. Coach this dude up, right? And we'll see how good of a coach you are. But still, ballsy. Still one year of one double A ball two years ago. You traded all of that for this player. As talented as he is, there is no, there's no comparison here. There's no track record. There's no comp for a guy who went to FCS school for one year and was drafted at 20 years old and was successful or was drafted in the first round or was drafted that high or was traded. All this was traded for him or maybe ever drafted at all. Like that just doesn't happen. He's a unicorn right now. Kyle Shanahan's putting his neck out there. And what what is most telling about the whole process and Kyle Shanahan, and we already know this about Kyle Shanahan, but this sort of proves it because the beginning of the Monday press conference when 
John Lynch goes into the the whole thing about the process, how much work they put in. Do you remember that? And he's like, we've we've spent seven million hours, one hundred and seventy games, and, days, games. and all these games they went to. Kyle Shanahan watched in his office thirty minutes of game tape and or thirty minutes of film. Was like, well, I like that guy because he keeps talking about how they knew in January. How do you know in January your season ended in January? He literally put on the games. That day, the first day, is like, well, pick my guy, and they spent three first-round picks on him and did all this other stuff in the process, but none of those man hours, none of those games that John Lynch talked about had anything to do with Kyle Shanahan selecting the quarterback that the Niners were going to pick. So what's funny is I want to reverse engineer that process because there's a couple of... So the, Kyle Shanahan's process, when he described what he did to, to figure out whether or not Lance was going to be his guy, is, is about the same process that PFF uses when they're grading tape. So Shanahan talked about giving pluses and minuses. He, you know, he, you've got the number of snaps that Lance oh, I has. I hear him say that. When yeah. did you say that? So he's got the number of snaps that Lance had. Lance had like 600 and some odd snaps. Well, Shanahan looked at a subset of those. He looked at 400 because he mentioned having, having looked at like 400 and some odd plays. And then had, he had 160 positives. So he basically goes in on every play and he says positive or negative, positive or negative. And that's exactly what PFF does for every player. So they do a positive, you know, play, and, but they do it in increments of like 0.5 all the way to 2 and they do negative, you know. And there's a lot of other intricacies for PFF. I'll save, I'll bore you the details, but whatever. The I, I want to go back and actually see how many positive plays he's got and see if it correlates to the number of plays that Shanahan had. Because obviously Shanahan has his own criteria for what makes a positive play. He could like the way the ball fake happened and call it a positive, right? I don't know what he's judging, but th this is the, the the little bit of a nerd in me that's like, let me see if these things line up uh, and, and kind of go from there. Um, but I, I went on a very similar journey to you when it came to the quarterback. I, I mean, I started watching the tape. We did deep dives for the Patreon. I, I was like, man, Fields is the dude. I like this guy. I like what he's putting on tape. I like what he's doing. I think he can really up level this offense. And and I you know I got to Lance. I got to Jones. And I was like, I like I it, it I can understand why people are thinking it's Jones, but I I I I, just, I can't see it. I can't put it all together. And then I just got worn down. Like every like all the Jones smoke, all the smoke. And then the press conference hit me. Same exact thing. I was like, fuck, it's Jones. God damn it. And then immediately afterwards, though, you start hearing the Lance stuff. And I'm like, the day, the, similarly, the day of the draft, I'm texting David and I'm like, man, I think they're going to swing. I think if you're going to swing, fucking swing. And if you're going to swing and it's not Fields, it's got to be Lance. Uh, and so, yeah, same, same exact place. Uh, and meanwhile, Shanahan's just laughing at us all. <laughs> He's laughing at everyone. I love that. Like, I, I want to know the genesis of it, though. How does Schefter, how is Schefter confident enough to say it's Jones? Oh, it's Jones. It's, Where does he get that? How, and, and it sounds like nobody even, they didn't like even smoke screen it. They didn't even put it out there. It was no. just lazy, like, oh, look at this boring ass white dude. Of course they're going to draft him. That's what Kyle Shanahan likes. But that's it. Like it's the, the reason that so 538, it's a politics podcast, Nate Silver site that they do. They have an interesting theory about when scandals stick. And, and they say that scandals stick when it confirms a previously held belief about that politician, mm. right? And so they, they talked a lot about it when, when Hillary was going to be, uh, when Hillary like, was like, oh, you're cold. It's like, oh, yeah, of course you're always cold. Like, you're going to do this. Like, like, when it already confirms a bias that you may have, then it, it just gets traction and it spreads, even if it may not be true. And I think that's what happened with Jones and Shanahan. Everyone was like, dude likes Kirk Cousins. Dude passed on Mahomes 
He passed on, like, you know, like he passed on these great quarterbacks because he was going to go get Cousins. He's trying to make it work with Jimmy Garoppolo. He drafted CJ Beathard. Everything that, that said Shanahan quarterback was Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, CJ Beathard, Jimmy Garoppolo. And so the Matt Jones thing confirmed everyone's previous biases they had about Shanahan. Meanwhile, Shanahan's like, yeah, that may have been me in 2017, but like, I've lost this, another Super Bowl since then. <laughs> like, my thinking might be changed. That's uh, pretty amazing. The the whole pro like, I still and I've I've had I've been arguing some folks on Twitter today because you know obviously it, it's the way that that fans are wired, and as soon as something happens, now they love Trey Lance, right? And if the pick would have been anybody else, they would have loved that player. That's just the way fans do, and they can't imagine it being different. And I was like, okay, look, Trey Lance, it. I like it. I like Trey Lance. I like Trey Lance a lot. When I thought the Niners were picking 12, I was like, man, if Trey Lance gets there, they can't pass on him. And that's when we were, you know, who knows? We'd have probably been arguing about Sertan versus Horn the whole month, right? If they didn't trade up. And it's like Trey Lance. I like Trey Lance a lot. He's raw, but I don't think the 49ers can pass on him if he gets to 12. And maybe they could even move up a little bit. And Fields will be long gone by then. And Mac Jones is a second rounder. Like that was kind of my thought the day before the trade. And then the trade happens. And so that's why I thought, you know, it's gotta be fields. And even if it was fields, even if it was anybody, not Trevor Lawrence, essentially, they like Kyle Shanahan talked about is like in that same press conference, like, Oh, you, you know, it, it's the cost. Like you got to go get a starter. And, and you, it, that's, that's the cost. And so that's not the cost. Zero people have paid that. No quarterback in the NFL, except for Trey Lance has cost three first round picks, right? None of them. Not, uh, not, I mean, you, if you wanted to trade for Aaron Rodgers, that's what they'd be asking. Um, it was, a, it was almost the exact same trade as the bears trading up for, um, for Justin Fields from 20 to 11. It's almost the exact same cost when in 2017, the Kansas city chiefs traded up to 10 to draft Patrick Mahomes, same cost first and the third, like that's a lot. And if you're willing to throw down a bunch of picks, you can get pretty much anywhere you want in the draft. So why they felt the need to go up when they did as early as they did, you have to factor that into the grade. You have to factor in three first-round picks for a guy who's played one year of FCS football in 2019. As talented as he is, you have to factor that in. And, and when I put that out there, it's so much pushback. It's like, oh, you don't know that you could have gotten a quarterback and traded up. You don't know what could have happened if the Niners didn't make that trade. Someone else trade here. You couldn't have gotten. It's like, how could you say that? And it's like, the 49ers, like, it's pretty dang obvious the 49ers could have saved at least one first rounder and gotten Justin Fields out of it. Was it close between Fields and Lance? I don't know. I, I liked Fields a little bit more. So to me, if you are what we know now, the Niners could have moved up from 12 to 10, which is a trade that actually happened, and it cost a third-round pick. The 49ers could have saved two first-round picks by that logic and gotten Justin Fields. I would take Fields and two first-rounders over Trey Lance right now today in a heartbeat. And I think if you put Truth Serum in Kyle Shanahan's veins and especially John Lynch's veins, I think they would probably say the same. But I got a ton of pushback just by saying, you know what, grading Trey Lance it's not McCorkle, right? It's not Mac Jones. So good job, you know, good grade. I'm glad they drafted Trey Lance and I like Trey Lance and I do, I like him a lot. And I, he's got this massive upside and I think it'll be so fun to watch him develop so much more fun than watching Mac Jones develop. 
because the sky's the limit and we have no idea. It's a blank canvas. I have no idea what to expect from Mac Jones. But you have to factor in when you're grading the the draft pick. It costs three first round picks. And that that can't be an A for me. That is, they overpaid. And that that's just the, a fact. They overpaid. I think they should have played it where, first of all, finish your evaluations, right? Like they traded up in March when they they admitted they weren't done with their evaluations. Finish your evaluations. You might not like any of the three. You might like all, all the three. And if you do, how about this? Trade up to five instead of three. Cost you a lot less, right? Trade up to six, which is something that could have happened. So I thought just, you know, look, I'm critiquing the process. They should have waited until either draft day or close to draft day, and they could have gotten a ton of value in their quarterback, and we could be having fun talking about who they might draft in the first round over the course of the next couple of years. Uh, so you just have to factor that in with grading this pick of Trey Lance because it did cost three first-round picks, and that is a massive amount to pay for such an unknown, such a such we know historically is a coin flip of drafting a quarterback high, and on top of that, it's such an incomplete evaluation because there's so little to go on with him aside from all the talent. So it's difficult for me to be like, Oh, awesome. A plus job. Even though I really like Trey Lance, you know, it's not a knock on Trey Lance at all. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a couple things in there that like, I, I, I kind of agree with a lot of what you're saying and some of which I'm like, yeah, it's just, it's really the cost of doing business. Right. Cause I, I think that the, it's not, it is within the ethos of the 49ers to overpay for certainty. They do mm-hmm. that. They did it with Malcolm Smith. They do it with Kyle Juszczyk. They they do it with Dante Pettis. They do it with, you know, they've done it in the draft with Joe Williams. They they did it with CJ Beathard. Like when they have a guy that they know that they want, they're fine with overpaying for the certainty of getting that individual. Hell, they did it today with a running back. Right. So like like that's that is that is part of their ethos that that they do fall into that overconfidence problem. So that part is not so surprising. And, and I do think that while it, I think it's semantics, I think Shanahan thinks he paid two first round picks. You said that in the press uh, conference. I get too. a lot of that. So it's it's yeah. probably the same exact fans too, because I get a ton it's, of that where people say, no, it was two picks to trade up. And, and that's just, I think it's people talking themselves into it and it makes them feel better. It makes them sleep at night. So I like think, you spent I think you can look a, at it. You can slice it. I think it's literally six of one, one half dozen of the other, right? It's like, yes, you, the, the net cost is two first round picks, but you physically sent three first round picks. You look at what the Rams did when they traded it for Jared Goff. They sent a first round pick, a second round pick, two second round picks, a third round pick, another first round pick, and then another third round pick. Like that's more picks and I think if, if it'd be interesting to, to compare the actual draft capital of those trades to see like where the trade they land. Chart value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think if you and there's a couple different tra- trade what charts was that out one there. Again? Say, it, say it again. So it was their first round pick, two second round picks, a third round pick, another first round pick, and then a third round pick. So the first and the third were future 2017, and then in 2016 it was their first round pick and two second round picks and a third round pick. Right, so the two seconds may add up to that first, right? Yeah. So, because so, yeah, I, I think the difference is that when you're talking about the, the Chiefs trade up to ten, that's not into the top ten. So they they jump ten spots, but the value of the the tenth pick isn't as valuable as the third pick overall. Um, right. yeah. You know, and so even I think Shanahan's fine with overpaying, even if he overpaid a bit, right? So I do think that quarterback is the only instance in which this trade up makes sense, and and if this is a hit then all those picks doesn't matter. It really doesn't it's, matter. It's the, what was the book? The only rules it has to work, right? Yeah. And, and, that, and that's kind of what this is. Look, you, if that's, if you have to do it and 
that's the cost to go ahead. But this is one of those instances. Twenty-four anymore. If if this doesn't work out, a lot of times I think the Niners get into the trap of of missing the valuation of a player or a pick. I think in this case they got the valuation piece kind of right. Like this is the price of trading up to a top three area to get a quarterback. What they now have to hit is the evaluation, right? Did you pick the right quarterback? Um, that's where I think people were railing against Mac Jones. This is where I think that you know I I prefer Fields, but. Uh, and I know that David preferred fields too. And the issue that we have with, with Trey Lance is his accuracy. Who knows if that's going to get fixed or if it can get fixed. But the, the idea though, that like at this point where I'm at is I've got, I had a preference for fields, but I hope that Lance is the guy who ends up being the quarterback out of this draft class. And if they miss, then hopefully they learned why they miss. It's a really, really difficult miss. And I think it's a miss that may cost Shanahan his coaching career in San Francisco. Um, but if they hit, then yeah, then you got the eval, right? You got the valuation, right? Right. Yeah. Let's roll. You're partying in the streets. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it's, I, it's still, tough. It, I still think just the process of, of paying that when they did was unnecessary. And I also, I also, to, to your point though, I also don't think that they didn't have their evaluation like completely done, uh, when like as late as they did, I think that they knew they were going to draft Lance. And, and when they said that we had a guy in mind, cause Shanahan said this specifically, he was like, we, that was the guy at the beginning when we traded up and then we, we made sure with everyone else. And at the end of it all, it was still Trey Lance. That's what we thought it was going to be with Jones. I think the, that person, I think that that process was right. They had a guy in mind, they traded up and then they double checked everything else. And it turns out they still loved Lance. Um, I, I think it was Lance from the get-go. I don't think they traded yeah, up I mean, without an incomplete process. I can buy that. And some of the media folks that whiffed on this hard are still trying to say that they think it was Jones and that Lance overtook him at some point. But the vibe I got from, and I wish one of the reporters that were there in the post-draft press conference would have asked him straight up because he kept saying two quarterbacks, but he didn't say which ones it was. And my feeling it was, and I came away thinking it was Fields and Lance and that Mac Jones actually wasn't really even a part of it that much. But other people think it was still Jones and Lance and Fields wasn't a part of it. And nobody followed up on that. So I don't think there's confirmation yet on which the other quarterback was that they still really liked. Yeah. And this is the tough part for for fans to be able to disaggregate sources versus quality sources versus opinion versus fact. That's all mm-hmm. on a spectrum. Right. And like Schefter, I think, had quality sources, but a source isn't always right. I, right. I, I think that the Niners at some point were leak testing. There was a little line that Shanahan said at one point where he was like, you learn a lot about your organization. Yeah. <laughs> I think, and, and this is something that happens all the time, right? You, you give bits of information to three different people and they're the same bit of information about, three, uh, about the same thing and it's three different versions of it. You see which version gets out. Now you know what the leak is, right? Um, and that would be very convincing if you're Adam Schefter and you heard it from someone in the organization that should know, but they didn't actually know Shanahan said that people in the organization thought it was Mac totally. Jones too. Totally. So that there's a, there's a lot of stuff, and that's why, I, for, from from my perspective, it was like, look, I don't think anyone knows. I don't think anyone knows, and that's okay. We're all just making educated guesses here. Let's like let's just be clear about the fact that it's an educated guess or that it's a sourced report, and we will just kind of and like kind of have to go with what we trust and who we know. And a lot of people trust Schefter. I mean, I trust Schefter too. It was hard for me to look at Schefter and be like. I don't know if this is right because <laughs> the guy's never wrong, <laughs> but he was wrong. So, hey, it happens.
If you had to set an over-under for the first game that Trey Lance starts as a San Francisco 49er, when would it be? Uh, that is a good question. Um, I don't know what the schedule... I wish I had the sequence of the games for the schedule. Um, I'm going to say if it goes past week four or five, I would be surprised. Oh, okay. I'll take the over on that. I think it's... I'd probably put the over under at eight. Yeah, that and that doesn't surprise me, especially after the draft, because now I mean Garoppolo is effectively going to stay. You've got all the all the trading partners have quarterbacks at this point. Um, Chicago has a partner. New England New England has a quarterback. Uh, you know, like the, there there is very little room for him to be traded unless there is an injury, um, in which case you might get into a Sam Bradford situation, which is great because desperation drives up the price. But at this point, I do think the odds are that Jimmy Garoppolo stays for another year. And I, I just I just think it's it's tough to swallow making that trade and picking this guy and having him not get the reps when I think reps are what he needs. That's exactly how I feel about it. You can't let him sit an entire year and he hasn't played. He's played one half-assed game in two and a half calendar years. That's yeah. kind of crazy. That's 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 probably the worst thing you can do is not give him the one thing he needs, which is more playing time and more reps. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I said the same thing to David on our post uh, round one reaction where I was like, look, you can only learn so much on the sidelines. At some point, you've got to connect what your brain is seeing to what you do on the field. And, and I could sit here and break down tape and put on a VR headset and say, yep, the ball should go here, the ball should go there, but I can't execute that. I'm, I'm ducking in a fetal position and trying not to die. Um, and so you have to put your body together with what your brain is seeing. And the only way you can do this is by playing football games. Did you see Jaguars general manager Trent Balky draft <laughs> not one, but two players coming off ACL injuries? I, ha I had that in my notes. And you know what? We'll, we'll leave there. We'll leave there because that's the peak. That is the top of the mountain. That is Trent Balky coming back and saying, I'm back, baby. Because you know what? The universe is healing. That's how I know we're going back to normal. It's been a hell of a year. But there was a live draft. Trent Balky is drafting players with busted knees. The things are getting back to normal. Tim Tebow had a tryout at tight end, I believe, as Which well. Which is where he should have played his like entire NFL career. Decade late. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brian, I feel like that is the perfect place to end it. I always appreciate when you come on the show. It's been a fantastic, fantastic chat. We'll see uh, if we can do it again at some point in the offseason because there's a there's still a lot of time left to agonize over lots of things, including what the Niners do with their three fifth-round picks, one of which is going to be a Hall of Famer because that's what they do in the fifth round. Oh, it's a long wait again. I wonder if they might trade up again into the, into the fourth round. I think they might. I just don't think John Lynch can handle waiting that long. No, it, it's, it's, you what know... The, the, his little funny looking ears will start burning and he'll make a trade. <laughs> uh, good stuff, Oscar. Always fun crossing it over with you and chatting ball, man. We Love should probably it. do it more often. Let's, let's do it more often. Let's call it the, the Allen Iverson podcast. It's the crossover. Let's do it. Love it. All right, man. Have a good one uh, and have fun tomorrow. I will. I'm going to have fun and be locked into the entire thing. Let's, uh, we, oh, we've got to swap uh, rye whiskey picks. Okay. I'll have, like a, it. I'll have a sip of the rye tomorrow and, uh, and toast to you, my friend. Love it. Let's do that. <laughs>